Welcome to the Murder and Mystery Podcast. I'm your host, Summer. We made it to 2023. That's a pretty big deal. At least it is for me. I don't do New Year's resolutions because I never follow through with them. That's been a problem in the past, so I just stopped doing them. I usually have some goals that I would like to meet during the year. But I don't make a resolution. This year, this is what I'm going to do. And this is who I'm going to be. And I'm going to lose weight and all these things. Because I never do that. I just like to have some goals to work on. How about you? Do you do New Year's resolutions? Or New Year's goals? What are some of the things that you want to work on this year? My big thing is just wanting to continue this podcast. I love telling you guys these stories. It's so much fun. So I want to continue this through 2023. I think that's a really good goal. And I hope you think so too. I really am happy when I see that people are listening and enjoying my stories as much as I enjoy telling them. So speaking of stories, I have a mystery for us to kick off the new year. Possibly a murder mystery. Possibly not. That's what makes it a mystery. But it's always interested me that possibly something happened. And I'll let you be the judge of this. So I'm going to tell you about the mysterious death of Natalie Wood. And yes, I'm talking about the actress Natalie Wood. First, let's get a little bit of background on Natalie. Who was she? She was born... Natalie Zarenko on July 20th, 1938, to Russian-born parents Maria Zedilov and Nicholas Zarenko. She was born in California. Her parents had immigrated to the U.S. before she was born. And in 1942, her family had bought a house in Santa Rosa, California, where she was noticed by a film crew who were filming a movie in the downtown area where she just happened to be that day and they just happened to notice her. But the really interesting thing with Natalie, and like a lot of child actresses, she had a mother who really pushed her to do all these movies, who managed her career, told her what she needed to do, and was really pushing her into being this big actress and making lots of money for the family. The interesting thing is, and I read this in several articles, before Maria Zedilov was married, um, when she was much younger, before she had children, she had seen a fortune teller or a psychic. And this woman told Maria that her second born would be a great beauty And she would be famous, but she needed to beware of dark waters. So that was very foretelling for Natalie, something that, I don't know, maybe her mom did warn her about. Maybe this did, she just didn't heed it when she was much older. But maybe because her mom knew that this child was going to be famous. She made sure she was in the right place at the right time, met the right people, 
and pushed her into this acting career. When Natalie first started acting, her very first part was just before she turned five in a 1947 film called Happy Land. It was an uncredited part. So it didn't list her name. It was a very small part, but it was enough to get the attention of the director who really liked her, thought she was very talented and kept in touch with her parents. So in this time when Natalie was starting this acting career and her parents were really trying to get her acting career going, the studio executives at RKO Radio Pictures I guess thought that her name was a little too Russian and so they changed her name to Natalie Wood in reference to the director Sam Wood. So her name had changed and then her parents at some point between 1938 and 1946 decided to change their name from Zakarenko to Gurin. So during that time they changed their name and so her younger sister, she has an older sister, Olga Tetelov, who was born from her mom's first marriage. And then she had a younger sister, Svetlana Gurin, who was given the new family name. We know Svetlana better as Lana Wood, who was also an American actress. So two years after her uncredited part in the movie Happy Land, the director called her parents and said that he had a great part for her and wanted her to come and do a screen test for it. She ended up getting the part. The movie was Tomorrow is Forever. An interesting thing in this one, Natalie was always known for being very good in her roles. She was a really good actress. She memorized all of her lines. In fact, even as a child, she memorized her lines. She would memorize everybody else's lines. She knew her cues. But in this movie, she's only seven years old, and she had trouble crying on cue. So her mother, who's obviously on set with her, took a butterfly and tore up a butterfly in front of her to get her to cry on cue. And it worked. She did great in the movie. And she continued to act in over 20 films before she was a teenager. Her biggest film as a child, and the one that we probably best know her in, was Miracle on 34th Street. She co-starred as Maureen O'Hara's cynical daughter who didn't believe in Santa. Miracle on 34th Street is one of my favorite favorite Christmas movies. I've always loved that movie. As a teenager, Natalie appeared in several television shows. And then at the age of 16, she starred opposite James Dean in Rebel Without a Cause. Another big movie for her. So in Rebel Without a Cause, Natalie reported that she really enjoyed that movie. It was something that she read and she wanted to do. The first time she had ever been really excited about a script. And her parents actually didn't want her to do the movie. They didn't approve of the movie. But she really wanted to do it and did a great job in this movie. Natalie continued to act into adulthood. 
she did a series of not so great movies that were kind of box office flops. And everybody kind of started saying she was washed up, her career was over. And then she starred in Splendor in the Grass opposite Warren Beatty. And this really opened up her her acting ability. She went from just playing this sweet, innocent young woman in these rom-coms to, you know, being a very serious actress and showing that she had grown up and matured. After this, she was cast in another very popular movie. She was cast as Maria on West Side Story. And it was a huge hit. And she continued to do films and television roles until May 1980. I mean, she did take some time off when she had children and just like brief little times that she didn't do a lot of acting. But she always came back to it. She always liked it. Natalie did have family. She had actually married three times. On December 28, 1957, at the age of 19, Natalie married actor Robert Wagner, who had been one of her co-stars. And then they divorced in 1962. In 1969, she married British producer Richard Gregson. And she had her first child, Natasha Gregson. So she filed for divorce in August of 1971, but it wasn't finalized until April 12, 1972. Before her divorce was finalized, after she'd filed for divorce, but before it was finalized, she started rekindling her romance with Robert Wagner, and they married on July 16, 1972, so shortly after her divorce had been finalized. And she had her second daughter, Courtney Wagner, in 1974. In 1981, she was starring in a movie opposite of Christopher Walken. And as they wrapped up this movie and stuff, her and her husband, Robert Wagner, had decided to take a Thanksgiving trip to Santa Catalina Island and they they took this trip on their yacht and she invited Christopher Walken to come with them. So on this trip it was just herself, her husband Robert Wagner, her co-star Christopher Walken, and the yacht's captain Dennis Davern. They took this trip on their yacht the Splendor Things were at first reported to be okay. There wasn't any major issues and everything. And this is where the mystery comes in. Because stories changed. And at first things were reflected as being very mysterious. And we don't know what happened. And then other things came to light. But let me kind of go in order of how this happened and how it was presented and the way things unfolded. So on night, November 29th, 1981, about 8 o'clock in the morning, Natalie Wood's body was found floating about a mile from her yacht. And the yacht's dinghy 
was found on a, on a shore, a nearby shore. It was ruled that she had fallen overboard trying to get into the dinghy and had died of drowning and hypothermia. So her toxicology report showed that she had a blood alcohol level of 0.14. So she was pretty drunk at the time. There were traces of motion sickness medication and painkillers in her system. So she had this medication that would increase the effects of the alcohol. And she was pretty out of it when all of this happened. When her body was found, she was wearing a flannel nightgown, a down jacket, and socks. She had some bruises and an abrasion on her cheek that they really couldn't account for. But at the time, the coroner's office said that they didn't think there was foul play, that she could have got those when she went overboard. And nobody really knew what happened. Robert Wagner, her husband, told the police that Natalie had gone to bed and he had stayed up with Christopher Walken and they were drinking and they were talking. And then when he went to bed, Natalie wasn't there, and that's when he found that the dinghy was missing. He had speculated that possibly his wife, who had been drinking heavily, had decided to go party hopping on these yachts. There were other yachts parked nearby, and that maybe she was trying to go to one of the other ones to party with them or something, and she fell. Her sister Lana was very skeptical of this because you see, Natalie never learned how to swim and she was deathly afraid of the water. Now remember, Natalie's mom had been told that her middle child should beware of dark water. And so far up to this point, everything that that psychic had told her mom had come true. Natalie was a great beauty. Natalie was famous and she was supposed to beware of dark water, which she died in dark water. Lana didn't think that with her fear that Natalie would have tried for any reason to get in the dinghy by herself and take off in the middle of the night like that. She thought, you know, she would be way too afraid. Not to mention the fact that we've got a well-known actress who was planning to go party hopping in a flannel nightgown, a coat and socks. That just doesn't really add up. So there was always a lot of skepticism in this and a lot of questions about what actually happened. And nobody completely believed this, but there just wasn't any evidence that anything had happened because nobody on the yacht said that there was anything out of the ordinary happening. And that was until November 2011. So she died in 1981. November 2011, the yacht's captain, Dennis Davern, publicly announced that he had lied to police back in 1981. 
that he had heard Natalie and Robert arguing. And then he gives this account of the day that was completely different from the story that was told in 1981. And that's when pieces start to kind of fall in place a little bit. So he states that there had been tension during this whole trip, especially between Robert Wagner and Christopher Walken. He said that there was a lot of flirting between Christopher and Natalie, that there was chemistry there, and that Robert was extremely jealous. So the day before she died, they had gotten into an argument and had been arguing. It kind of seemed like possibly during the whole trip there had been some tension and arguing. But on this day, Natalie and Christopher left the yacht and went to the island and spent several hours at a bar before Robert showed up. So they were at this bar together by themselves drinking. And Robert shows up and he's furious because she was out drinking with this other man. He was extremely jealous. And so there was a little bit of an argument, but the four of them ended up going to dinner at Doug's Harbor Reef restaurant. They went in, I mean, because Christopher was on this trip with them. I, they, I guess they could have turned around and just went back home. Probably would have been the best thing if things weren't going the way they planned, but instead they went to eat at the restaurant they had cocktails which remember Natalie and Christopher had already been at a bar for several hours they'd already been drinking they have cocktails they have champagne they have two bottles of wine and employees reported that either Wagner or Walken they weren't sure which man it was threw a glass at one point during their time there so there was definitely some kind of argument, some something going on there. And about 10 o'clock that night, the four of them loaded up in the dinghy and went back to the yacht. So Davern says that they went back to the yacht and all four of them continued to drink when they got on the yacht. And then some things became very heated. Robert broke a bottle of wine and was yelling at Christopher about what was going on between them. He even asked Christopher if he was trying to fuck his wife. He was just this drunken, enraged man. So at this point, Christopher Walken, I guess, was like, I've had enough. This is too much. And he went to his room. He just walked off and went to his room. And Davern said he didn't see Christopher again until morning. So Dennis Davern said that Wagner and Natalie went to their room around that time. You know, after this big, things got really heated, Walken, Christopher Walken walked off. And so they went on to their room. But Davern said that he continued to hear them argue and yell at each other in their room after they had left and then he heard them come out of their room and go back up on the deck area and continued to argue 
So let's kind of put this into perspective. Let's break this down a little bit, what he's saying and how these pieces are starting to click together. So the first story was that everything was perfect. Everything was fine. There were there was no problems. And she just got really drunk, got ready for bed, and then decided to go to another yacht to party some more. And to me, that just didn't make a lot of sense, especially the way that she was dressed and the state that she was in. It just really didn't make a lot of sense. But now you've got this story of these people who had been drinking a lot. There were already there was already a lot of, of tension. And this couple goes to their room. They're arguing. It's a small confined area. They go in, they're getting ready for bed. They're continuing this argument. So they decide to, let's go get some air. Let's cool off a little bit, calm down a little bit so we can go to bed, right? So of course, she's in her nightgown. She's in socks. I mean, it's November. It's at night, so it's probably pretty chilly. And she grabs a coat because she's going back up on deck. And it's going to be colder up there. So she's not dressed to go yacht hopping. She's dressed to go to bed and leaves her room with her husband to get some air to cool down and try to settle things to go to bed. Possibly even one of them stormed out and the other one went after them. But... They continue to argue. Once they get up there, they're still kind of arguing. And then Davern says, everything goes silent. Like the arguing just stops and he doesn't hear anything. And when things go silent, he listens for a bit. He's not hearing anything. And he wonders, oh, thinks, I wonder if everything's okay. So he goes to check on them. And when he goes to check on them, this is when Wagner turns to him and says, Natalie's missing. Okay, so let's kind of look at that. He hears them leave their room and go up out on deck. He hears them arguing on deck, and then he hears nothing, and then suddenly Natalie's missing. That's a bit suspicious to me. If he was there and he was arguing with her, she didn't just disappear. He saw what happened. At least he saw her walk off. He would have heard her trying to get in the dinghy. He would have heard her fall into the water. That doesn't click with me. Just she went missing. Like she just disappeared in front of his eyes. So when he tells this yacht captain his wife is missing, he tells them him no don't turn on the searchlights don't call the police don't don't alert anybody let's just look for her and so they start looking and the dinghy's missing natalie's missing she went yacht hopping went to you know party with some other yachts because she's mad at me you know just kind of brushes it off as it's not a big deal when his drunk wife who had taken these medications and was definitely out of it just disappears along with the dinghy 
and he doesn't do anything. So a nearby boat says that they heard a woman screaming for help about 11. And these screams continued until about 11.30. They tried calling the harbor master and they weren't getting any answer at the harbor master. And they were kind of looking around. They weren't seeing anything. There were parties going on um, in some of the other yachts. So they thought, you know, it was just a party. People just being crazy. And they let it go. Because they couldn't really tell where the screaming was coming from. They couldn't see anything. They couldn't get a hold of anybody. So they just kind of let it go. Robert Wagner kind of let it go, too, that his wife was missing until about 1.30 in the morning. She went missing around 11, and at 1.30, he makes a land call. It doesn't say where he called, but he called somebody on the island. And then finally, at 3.30 in the morning, he calls in the Coast Guard. So, Christopher Walken was never actually a suspect in this. He reported, you know, he didn't see Natalie go overboard. He didn't hear anything. He doesn't know what happened. He says that he and Robert Wagner did argue, but they weren't arguing over his relationship with Natalie. They were arguing over the fact that their that their film was keeping her away from her family, that she wasn't there for her daughters, that she was spending too much time away from her family working and acting. So he says, you know, he went to his room after this heated argument about Natalie's roles in Natalie's career. He goes to his room. He's in his room. He doesn't know what happened. In fact, he even in an interview says that, you know, basically she was very drunk. She was very out of it. He could see her slipping and falling, trying to get into the dinghy, like Robert said. He really didn't think that Robert Wagner had anything to do with Natalie's death. He felt that it was just a complete accident. In 2012, so they reopened this investigation in 2011. In 2012, the Los Angeles County Coroner's Office amended Natalie's death certificate from just accidental drowning to drowning and other undeterminable factors. On January 14, 2013, the coroner's office released a 10-page addendum to Natalie's autopsy report. And in this addendum, it indicated that she had bruising and abrasions that possibly could indicate that she was assaulted before going overboard and that maybe it wasn't an accident. In 2018, Wagner was named as a person of interest in Natalie's death. He was the last person to see her alive. His stories don't quite add up. And you would think if he was, if he was there, he would have at least seen her and knew what happened. And I'm sorry if somebody you love comes up missing on a boat 
you don't put off calling for help. You don't refuse to turn on the searchlights and look for her. You know, that just doesn't add up to me either. So in 2022, a medical doctor who was a former intern of the original Los Angeles coroner who did the autopsy on Natalie back in 1981. This guy had been an intern during that time, had been there for that autopsy. And he came forward and said that in 1981, he had told this coroner that the bruising on her was substantial. It didn't look to him like just something that she had sustained when she fell, that it seemed to be a lot more than that. And the bruising pattern seemed to fit somebody who was in a struggle and was picked up and thrown overboard. There have not been any final conclusions at this time. Her death is still a mystery. It's labeled undeterminable and not accidental. Uh, They do think that there is cause to say that it could have been foul play, but they can't pin it on Robert Wagner because they don't have enough evidence. And so it's still an open case after all this time. Natalie was only 43 years old when she died. She was set to start another movie after this vacation she was on. Uh, Her career was far from over. She was still very young. She had two daughters. And it's just tragic to me that this happened. So I've always found this a very interesting murder mystery or mysterious death. And so I was excited to bring this to you. And I'd like to know what you think. What do you think happened to Natalie Wood? You can get on our Facebook group and leave me some messages and tell me what you think. Anyway, that's all for today. So until next time, bye. (music) 